0: News. 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 News, news. 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 New York City. The FAQ NYC podcast
1: getting more and more interesting by the minute. <laughs> FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkist podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Professor Christina Greer here with Katie Honan and Harry Siegel. Hello. Hi, Christine. Hey. I've missed you too terribly. Let's <laughs> jump right in with some of the news from another jam packed week in New York. Federal jurors in Manhattan on
2: Monday started hearing testimony about whether to give the death penalty to the Islamic State supporter who killed eight people while driving a truck down a bike path on the Hudson River Park in 2017 in what would be New York's first execution in 60 years. Literally, as that was happening, a homeless 66-year-old man named Wang sore injured eight New Yorkers and killed one while driving a U-Haul truck he'd apparently been living in over streets and sidewalks and bike lanes of Bay Ridge. A never-released 47-page internal NYPD memo breaking down the department's handling of the 2020 George Floyd protests and obtained by the Daily News matched up with one key conclusion from numerous damning outside reports in finding that the police's initial, quote, shortcomings and missteps, end quote, hindered its response. The NYPD declined to comment on its own conclusions. This memo comes days after the Civilian Complaint Review Board reported that two and a half years after the NYPD's at times violent response to those protests, in which 89 officers were charged with serious misconduct, just 12 have received any discipline from the department. The city's third licensed marijuana dispensary opened on Monday in the village, in walking distance from the other two. Of course, all of them are surrounded by unlicensed storefronts that have become targets for armed robbers as authorities, including the state's Office of Cannabis Management, struggle to roll out the legal marketplace that's supposed to benefit people and communities that were hardest hit by the old criminal prohibition on marijuana.
0: Meantime, Governor Kathy Oakle on Sunday let the requirement for people entering hospitals and nursing homes, having to wear masks, expire, ending one of the state's last remaining emergency health measures. The move happened to come just after Staten Island GOP rep Nicole Maliotakis said the House could subpoena former Governor Andrew Cuomo to testify under oath about his directive in March of 2020 compelling nursing homes to admit what turned out to be nearly 10,000 recovering coronavirus patients as the virus ripped through those nursing homes. And speaking of Republicans in Congress, the New York Times dug into confirmed liar George Santos' campaign filings and found a cool $365,000 worth of unexplained spending, with the campaign's disclosures changing repeatedly and suspiciously in the course of the paper's investigation. Chrissy, who, wh- wh- what is this? George Costanza, George Santos, how is this guy <laughs> still in Congress? I what mean, does this say about the state of New York, the Republican Party, and the country?
1: Yeah. Well, I think what's what's really clear is you can't shame the shameless. And someone like George Santos has no shame. I mean, this man seems like he'll lie about, you know, the day of the week. But it's very clear that the Republican Party is trying to slow walk their disdain or displeasure with him. And there's still far too many Republicans who are like, well, as long as he votes the way we need him to in D.C., you know, we can sort of have this performance theater of like, how dare he? But they're actually not putting any wheels in motion. I think though, you know, I'm not a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but there is some sort of pathology about someone who lies to this extent. And I always have said, you know, like, follow the money. I mean, you're lying about being on a volleyball team. Dude, I mean we're not even gonna touch the 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 dead mother in 9-11 and the friends and employees in the Pulse the massacre and the stealing from you know, dogs and shelters and lying about, you know, what is who's who's Jewish, right? I mean, like, this man, it goes on and on and on. And he clearly has no shame. But I think where he may overstep is, you know, people who lie. You know, my grandmother used to always say, if you lie, you cheat. If you cheat, you steal. If you steal, you lie. That was always her thing. So, like, if you told a lie about anything, like, oh, you know, I didn't take the cookie from the cookie jar. She's like, you know, so you're a cheat and you're a thief. And it's like, wait, how did we get there? <laughs> like... But it's, she's always said, the three go hand in hand. They are triumphant. And if you are one, you're usually the other two as well. And I think that's, that's what we're going to see. This missing money, which isn't a small amount. I mean, I don't understand how you go from being evicted and stealing from your roommates, literally stealing clothes and scarves, and then all of a sudden you have $700,000. Like, walk me through that money situation. So obviously, if you're a liar, you're most likely a cheat and you're probably a thief as well. And the Republican Party, I think, does a lot of hand-wringing performatively. But if they really wanted to sort of get the wheels of motion, they would sit him down and really present him with some serious options. But I think by the time it's all said and done, George Santos would probably end up either fleeing the nation and or in prison.
0: We didn't even get into his undisclosed marriage to a woman that seems to coincide with his immigrating to the uh, States that we only found out about after this campaign cycle. I mean,
1: I mean, Harry, <laughs> think about it this way. This man has lied on a local, state, national and international level. Mm-hmm. You've got people in Brazil like this mug owes me ten dollars. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? It's like In Brazil, you've got drag queens who are like, he's a mess. So I think, you know, there's something really frightening to me about anyone, not just a man, but a person who can look you in the eye and just lie. I mean, Donald Trump style, he's been doing it for so long, it's almost normalized. But George Santos, when you hear him on these podcasts and radio shows, how he keeps doubling down, even when people are asking him point blank questions, and he's sort of skirting around issues. It's kind of frightening that someone like that, not only exist, but they exist as a representative. So I would think that, you know, the people in his district would need to be really aggressive and vocal. Like, we need this man out of here. But I think the only thing that will really get him out is follow the money. You know, the answer is always follow the money. And the money has been funny since day one.
2: And and they have, I mean, there have been a group of people before the State of the Union, a group of his constituents went to Washington, D.C., did a man that he resigned. But I, I guess... It's going to be, like you said, following the money. If he gets criminally charged, Politico reported last week, it was of the first time he had been charged with theft tied to the 2017 Amish dog case. What killed me about that story was that the town was bird in hand, Pennsylvania. Like every aspect about this George Santos story is both insane and then very funny to me. Yeah. when I When I look past the severity of the fact that there's a sitting U.S. congressman with so many questions about who he is, where he gets his money, what's going on. Like literally,
1: um, what is your name? what's your name? You know, I mean, and I, and I'm sensitive to that because I'm doing, you know, sort of uh, financial planning, you know, adult nonsense. And (laughs) um, the the woman, my lawyer asked me, what's your, like, what name do you use? And I basically have three names, right? Now they're Mm -hmm. all some version of Christina Greer, but you know, for documents, I have like these three names, Christina M. Greer, Christina Michelle Greer, Christina Greer, you know, because on my book it says one thing, on my taxes it says one thing, you know, so I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that this is a real conversation to have. This man has like an iteration of like four different names. So we know on financial documents, you know, when people are trying to look to find out how he filed, they're like, well, wait, I'm I'm looking at Santos, but surely it's under something totally different. I mean, this is like, it's kind of scary to think that this is a sitting member of Congress, one of our most prestigious bodies of governance. And we have, I mean, I, I can't use, you know, psychological language, but- you know, armchair psychology, this man is like low key, seems like a sociopath.
0: Yeah. It's Anthony Devalder, right?
1: There we go. That's no I, I
0: mean, I mean, I, I thought it was supposed to be tragedy and then farce, but this is like real life <laughs> Art Vandalway, yeah. uh, except it, it's just <laughs> not funny.
1: Well, you know, it's like during the Trump era, going back to, you know, Kitty's point where things were just so outlandish, it's like it would be funny if we weren't in the clown car being driven by the clown, right? But it's it's kind of frightening because the things with George Sanders. I mean, when you start adding them up, it's like, come on, this is like Mad Libs now, right? We're just adding miscellaneous Baruch volleyball, captain, scholarship, like what? But the fact that he's a member of Congress, I mean, and no disrespect to city council members, like we're not talking about city council, we're talking about Congress. This man has access to money and information. And we don't know what he would do with it, but we definitely know that he's not qualified to be in this position in any capacity, especially because you see him on these interviews and he keeps a straight face and just doubles down, triples down on the lie. I mean, even, you know, the it's not very Mormon of Mitt Romney to say I don't belong here and then saying, well, Kirsten Cinema, you know, said she supported me. And she's like, girl, no, I didn't. Like, I absolutely did not say that.
0: So shout out to a uh, Jewish space laser lady, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and, and another her, shameless one. Her Jim kissing buddies and, and various other things. I'm just saying that uh, she she was uh, a non committeed member of Congress who was something of a joke. And now she's supported Kevin McCarthy for speaker and has immediately put herself in a central role. Her name recognition is extremely high. So I assume Santos, who 80 percent of the people in this district, the voters are like, get this guy out of here. Well, running it. But he's going to leave with very high name recognition. He's doing a a, a MAGA fake press uh, 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 whining and complaining tour, presumably in the hopes of, of, of converting that name recognition sensibly, I think horribly but sensibly into some sort of uh gig and continued profile and see what else life brings as long as you keep clinging in and keeping yourself out there sort of sort of way and it's all just very very depressing to uh, uh to see um at least here in new york we have Totally sane, rational politics. And yeah, especially
2: – I mean, you mentioned the city council. Everyone there is great, and nothing crazy is going on over there either.
0: Anything <laughs> happening with the uh, with the progressives over there, Katie, of news value since last week did a briefing?
2: <laughs> yes. Um, that is what's happening in the city council, the progressive caucus, which has sort of grown to its largest size ever, has now –
0: it was most of the Democrats, right? And yeah. in the legislatures, the will of the caucus is the will of the majority party. And yeah. the majority of the majority party had been the progressive caucus.
2: Exactly. So what you had and, and reports on it, I hadn't done any reporting, but a lot of my esteemed colleagues have written about the, this sort of pledge and it kind of boiled down to the progressive caucus leadership wanted members to sign this pledge that they would commit to defunding the NYPD in the current budget negotiations. And, you know, you have a lot of... Um, council members, those who have left, who did not want to sign this pledge, they are facing challenges. They maybe represent districts that are purple, you know, someone like Marjorie Velasquez in the Bronx who has, um, challengers maybe from a more conservative, even a more conservative Democrat. Um, and as you know, because of redistricting, we have another council election. I'm sure we'll all start seeing the flyers in our mailboxes shortly. Um, so that is what's been going on now. They've, I guess they now said it's a, it's a, leaner, meaner, progressive caucus, meaner, and a, maybe not mean, but, you know, so that's what's been going on in the council. Um, yeah, I, I think you could argue a lot of people are saying, look, the people who left the progressive caucus weren't really progressive anyway, so maybe it's a right sizing of this caucus. But, um, but yeah, that has been going on last week. That's sort of what was the big council story. Um, and we have a very long few months during these budget nego- negotiations because there is a lot of controversy about what is being funded, what isn't being funded. Um, what the progressive wanted, what the progressives, the, the true, very, very lefty progressives want to do, which is redirect money from the NYPD into other services. And we had a little bit of a budget fight last year after over over the education budget. Um, the council had voted to approve it. And then I guess said, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa. Oh, oh. We take it back. Um, so we'll see what happens this year.
0: And that was almost a hiccup compared to 2020 when there was a big defund fight here. And at the end, the NYPD's budget was actually cut a bit in a uh, compromise that satisfied basically nobody and got incredibly heated. They seem to be stuck here in the same place. In the meantime, in Albany, by the way, uh, Kathy Hochul, uh, the yokel, evidently, who's had a hard time getting out of her own way mm. politically. Mm. Uh, so she had her nominee for the uh, chief judge of the state, the leader of the Court of the Appeals, Hector Lasalle. A state senate committee rejected it. They said that was the end of the matter. Hochul said he had to get a floor vote. Uh, the state senate disagreed. Like separation of powers, sort of, sort of fight, and a fight between progressives and centrists. And their thing stood with the caveat that the leaders the, the, of the state senate, the Democrats, were clear: like, hey, if you get a floor vote, you're going to lose that too. Uh, we haven't seen yet, but we now have a state senator, uh, Anthony Palumbo who last week filed the court case The Kathy Hochul did not. Republicans say they haven't coordinated with the governor at all, and she doesn't really want to talk to them, demanding uh, that floor vote. So as we're going into budget season, where Hochul, like Eric Adams, is proposing library cuts, by the way.
1: Don't get me started.
0: Keep the libraries open. This LaSalle fight seems like it may not be done, and the vote that Hochul's insisted she wants, and seems poised to lose in humiliating fashion if it were to come to that, perhaps, or maybe not, maybe she'd pull some sort of political rabbit out of her head, uh, is continuing to to loom over that set of fights, along with the fight about whether to let New York have a few more charter schools by freeing quote-unquote zombie schools from the current cap, and the endless fight about whether or not to roll back criminal justice reforms that seems to get repeated every single year. Chrissy, are we headed anywhere do, – do you have any confidence in the direction of the state at the moment or any expectations for, for what we might actually come out of this budget season with past uh, past confusion? Well,
1: you know, I remain optimistic, you know, just because I have to, to a certain extent. I think we just need to come to the realization that Kathy Hochul's not that good at politics. I mean, that's just – she's not. So I'm hoping that – clear heads in Albany who understand how business gets done can find points of negotiation with her team so that we can actually not have stalemate and gridlock and potentially deadlock with some of these things. But I do think it's interesting in the fact that Kathy Hochul just won't take this L on the judge, on Judge LaSalle.
0: Which she's trying to. This is not her lawsuit. She did not file a lawsuit that forces the floor vote, very notably.
1: Yeah. Sure. Okay, it's not hers per se, because it's not hers to do, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you understood politics and you were good at politics, you'd prevent that from happening in the first place, right? And if you were really good at politics, you actually—we never would have gotten to the lawsuit stage because you would have Nancy Pelosi'd yourself and had your ducks in a row and made sure you had a nominee that wouldn't have any drama with the committee, right? Right. Um, because she was really confident that it would get out of the committee, and she got outmaneuvered by Andrea Stewart-Cousins. Like, let's just call it what it is. So I'm hoping that the folks in Albany who understand how Albany works can recognize they're not dealing with a Cuomo and actually find some points where it's like, listen, let's give you some things for you to save face, hear the things that are non-negotiables, and, like, let's move forward. Because as we saw during the de Blasio-Cuomo years, when we have these, like, strong beefs, Nothing gets done. And like luckily, Adams and Hochul don't seem to have that contentious relationship. But we need to make sure that Hochul and Albany, especially the Albany Dems, don't have that relationship because you know she she looked like she was trying to do a little Cuomo action, which is like, well, if you guys don't give me what I want, then I'll just go over here and talk to the Republicans. It's like, sis, don't do that. Don't start that road. That's a dangerous road to go down as a Democrat, especially since we know as a woman, all the literature tells us she will be primary. In four years, like that is a guarantee as soon as the sun shall rise, she will be primaried by someone who is either competent or incompetent. I'm not sure just yet or maybe a combination of all of the above. So she needs to make sure that she secures herself and has as many friends as possible. And becoming buddy buddy with Republicans, the party of Lee Zeldin in New York, is not the way to go.
0: And we uh, can we actually very respectfully, Professor, I propose a ban on the phrase a little Cuomo action. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> too soon, too yeah, soon. I, um, <laughs> it'd be for many Cuomos. You know, I was telling a, a colleague of mine the other day about how uh, when Cuomo didn't want to answer a question, he would just hang up on you and then call back like, hey, here's my answer. And it was just like airtight. And I was like, I want to start doing that in life. Just if someone's saying something, either just hang up the phone or like, Pretend that I'm asleep for like a minute and then just wake up and then answer their question just to like get rid of them.
2: You don't do I've done that before. I just hang on, by, I've hung up on people sometimes like very dramatically, but sometimes just Ooh. like I can't deal with this
1: <laughs> professionally, personally. Is, am I revealing too much? No, but I feel like people think I run hot. I actually don't run as hot as I think people. I think my skin color runs hot. In oh, I minds. can tell. I run hot. I used to have a like, shirt that said I, Irish temper Italian attitude. Right. Like, I'm a cancer. I'm just sort of like, okay. And maybe because, you know, I come from a family where it's like, you know, we ever sort of exit out. my mom would look at us literally like we had 12 heads. Like, really? And then I just my dad, I remember one time I like, wild out on my dad. He said nothing. All he did was look at me and just said, ask around. And that was it. That's it. That's all he said. And I never did it again.
0: Did you ask around, I didn't around even ask though? around.
1: No. He was like, just ask around. And I was like, you know what? If I got to ask, I don't want to know. And so my tone has never been anywhere near where it was that day. (laughs) Yeah, I could
2: run a little hot. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to cool down. If we, can we, um, one thing I did want to discuss, and we've talked endlessly about Eric Adams, Mayor Eric Adams, but we can continue. I am... Shout out to Eric Adams for not coming on the podcast, and now Harry owes me dinner. Good. (laughs) You, you could. I don't know the the true history of this bet, but you could maybe perhaps explain it for the listeners if you like. But I'm just. I find um, you. I've been listening to his get stuff done cast. I actually found the second episode kind of interesting, but there is a real like he, he. He last year, you know, this time last year, he literally would show up everywhere a shooting a stabbing anything and the last couple days he's been a little MIA he had nothing on his public schedule you know and when this happens i specifically have to ask the mayor's spokesman fabian um cuz i got burned during the us virgin island trip you know i have to specifically ask is is mayor adams in new york city right now and was he in new york city yesterday you know or what will he be cuz that is sort of what you know, when I was inquiring where the mayor was when he didn't have anything in his public schedule, it was sort of like, well, you didn't specifically ask if he was in New York City right now. So the fact that the mayor didn't go to the scene of this U Haul rampage driver, um, he hasn't just really been around. And then I see last night he showed up at an anti Semitism town hall sponsored by con- um, Congressman, Councilman Keith Powers. It was not on his public schedule. Um, the mayor's spokesman said he just decided to drop in. So again, do our listeners truly care about this sort of creep into opaqueness from the mayor it's sort of been creeping for a long time but now it really seems um and, and the mayor has said it's not in the city charter to tell the, the press where i'm going um but it, you remember del- bloomberg
1: was in bermuda when exactly we had that
2: blizzard. yeah so there's all these it's sort of like why don't you just update his public schedule let us know where he's at um so anyway that's just something i don't know if you have if you all have any thoughts
1: well i don't know the u.s virgin island story what was that you asked a question and it was yeah like by omission mission.
2: The mayor didn't have, he had nothing in his public sector, which was very rare, right around the holidays. What it was Christmas on a Monday, or it was a couple days before Christmas. And I asked, I said, is the mayor in New York City? And he said, yes. Or I know, actually, I take it back. He said, I don't know where the mayor is. You know, this was sort of an odd thing to say. Okay, my bad for thinking you would. The next day was, you saw flooding in parts of the city, you know, low lying areas and stuff like that. I asked the mayor's spokesman, like, will the mayor go to these neighborhoods? And then it turned out he wasn't here. Right. And then obviously Mm. there was a big he came back early because of this flooding. And he really lashed out on other reporters. Um, He said, you know, I'm grieving my mother. You don't care about my mother. This is look and no one is begrudging the man for going away. It's just the lack of transparency. And it's continued to be I think it's a sort of that was the most extreme um, example of it. Like. Just we don't care where you go, but there's Let an expectation. Yeah. Even Mayor de Blasio would say Mayor de Blasio is in New York City, but with nothing on his schedule.
1: Whatever. Right. Well, because yesterday I remember seeing, you know, the mayor had nothing on his schedule. And it's like, oh, is everyone, is everyone gonna be recuperating from the Super Bowl? I think, you know, listen, I'm not in the mind of Eric Adams, but I do know that like him taking a break will not be seen in the same ways as de Blasio or Bloomberg yeah. taking a break. You know, and the the conversations about Black leaders being lazy and, you know, not working hard, even though, you know, don't even get me started on that. But um, coming from a de Blasio who liked to take naps, I'm a nap supporter. I also, I believe in vacations abundantly because it is really hard being in this country. Like, I have to leave this country to, to, to exist in this country, especially as a Black person. As an executive, I mean, maybe I'm sympathetic to any mayor who has to leave to get perspective. I mean, this is what Mm -hmm. Mark Twain tells us all the time. He'd go to, you know, Europe so he could better understand America. I leave New York so I could better understand New York. I leave America so I can better understand America. Uh, The mayor seems to go to other cities, you know, to sort of see what they're doing. I I appreciate that, but I also know that there are going to be certain members of the press who are just like, he's never here. So he's just like, you know what? Y'all are now on a need-to-know basis. Like... So I don't know, there is that fine line between is our leader here or not, especially when things go down, or like, let this man live, and if things go down, he'll be back, and well, mind I, I think, So I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's, the, that's why it's so striking when he has something on his public schedule, because he is so active and everywhere and all over the place. Yeah. He really is sort of the mayor of action, to borrow the Cuomo phrase, not to keep bringing up former Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo, but... That's why when you see something that's nothing on his public schedule, it immediately is like, is he okay? Is he sick? Right.
1: It's odd. Because it's he odd. sort yeah. of set it up so it's like, I have so much going on and I'm kind of everywhere. When it doesn't say that he's anywhere, then it, that seems peculiar. Yeah. Um, so that's,
2: you know, in defense of the press, that, that was sort of the only question. Just let us know, you know, like this is...
1: Yeah. Um, well, let us, and it's interesting though because... I agree. It's like, I'd like to know where my leaders are. You know, I'd like to know if the mayor's in New York or not. But then again, it's just sort of like, well, there is this, you know, talking to elected officials uh, and I'm, I'm friends with mayors of other cities uh, who are a teeny bit younger than uh, Mayor Adams. It is also this kind of weird, you know, wanting to have just a touch of privacy, Yeah. you know, and, and like trying to grab it however you can. And maybe this is, A way that some people try and manifest that, where it's just, you know, I can sneak away and just be by myself and not worry about, you know, press corps following me, or I don't know. I really don't. Mayor Adams, why don't you come on the show so we can have this conversation?
2: You know, it was was funny. When he came back, he said, like, I I don't want people hiding behind bushes, and I, I don't want people following me to the Virgin Islands. It's like, Mayor Adams... If you think that we got the budget to follow any member of this press corps, even like you know, the New York Times, which we could say is like probably the most well-funded press covering the mayor, like you really think they're gonna book a last-minute, like December 23rd trip to the Virgin Islands? Sir, I wish. (laughs) I do you think like (laughs) uh, give money to the city so we can have a, a pot of money for me to fly to the Virgin Islands if the mayor goes there? Just kidding.
1: Right. Listen, but I, you know, we did spend some time in St. Croix as a family, and, and I really, I did enjoy it, I will say.
0: <laughs> Bloomberg is definitely the most well-funded operation covering the yeah, mayor. Yeah, you're
2: right, you're right, you're right. And, it,
0: of course, possible. his name for the former mayor, who who's also been advising Adams, uh, including on Press Strategy, I'm sure, uh, Bloomberg was Openly, just contemptuous of and exhausted by by the press, while staying within certain channels. My my theory with with, with Eric Adams' press strategy is he wants to, to to be ubiquitous, be a man around New York City. Nobody is calling him lazy, right? And and is clearly like very aware of of those uh, stereotypes and concerns and how his mm-hmm. public image is reflecting. Like the man shows up. Uh, there is no doubt about it. But then that means, one, when he doesn't show up, it gets a little complicated. And two, he's plainly working on his message control about showing up and not in the course of that saying some shit that that his his commissioners are then going to have to either like retcon policy to fit or react to or whatever else. Because he is like a talented and on-the-fly speaker, but that's really complicated when you're running a government. So he's also doing – instead of showing up on podcasts like this, all of these like – three to eight minute radio and TV hits where he's just got a wrap of the day and you can see it in his transcripts. And he's like running his three talking points that he wants to get through. Mm -hmm. And there's not really any time or space for follow-up questioning, just given the length of the interview. And Mr. Mayor, thank you for taking a few minutes. And we've got a lot to discuss. Here's the main thing. We want to ask these two other things, done, done, done. And that pattern just repeats, and it means he gets to give the performance of a conversation while really tightly controlling the single thing he's putting out there. On which note, he has an op-ed, not not in the Brooklyn paper, but something like the Brooklyn paper, like Schnapp's media uh, today, about how uh, we've got this really cool legal pod program, and he's not going to let the unlicensed store people mess it up, and gosh darn it, you're going to see more enforcement. And the reason that is in like some third – I'm sorry for whatever news outlet I'm dissing here, but but like in, in the food chain of where these things go, it's not naturally where you'd expect to find the mayor. And plainly, he's there because he knows that he's been giving this message in variance since November when he announced a task force that was going to be doing this enforcement. He has one event on his schedule today. It's with Queens DA Melinda Katz. I suspect it'll be a sequel to the announcement he made with Al Bragg about doing nuisance enforcements with these shops now, which I hear came from Eric Schneiderman. Originally, by the way, but Eric Adams whole press strategy is to be as present as possible while also trying not to say more than he needs to or to be forced into a conversation off of the messaging he's doing. And That messaging is complicated because he's consistently trying to straddle multiple things like knock it off with these illegal stores. We're not going to have that in my city, but also we're only going to be doing civil enforcement and we're not going to repeat the mistakes of the drug war. And that's a straddle. It's a straddle he's been trying to hold for months. I don't think in the long term it's going to be sustainable. But he's made the choice not to come on podcasts like this for whatever reasons. Maybe that's one of them. Maybe there's some other ones. And that as long as he he is very busy. Is it you, Harry? I got to say Harry. I think it's Harry.
2: I don't think it's me (laughs) and Chrissy. I don't think it's us.
1: I think it's you, Harry. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) But you know what doesn't matter, Harry. We love you. And that's all yeah, that matters.
2: It's, uh, and and today's Valentine's Day. So we're, as we record this, so that we love you, Harry. It doesn't, doesn't matter what the mayor of the biggest city in the country thinks of you, Harry. <laughs> 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 should, we, um, should we, I mean, speaking of love, should we pivot and talk about what we love about New York City? I, I prepped this earlier and you guys seemed into it. Just for a nice little, we can ask our listeners to submit what they love about New York City. Is it too? It's not too corny, right? It's Valentine's Day.
0: I just love it's big, it's huge, beautiful place, and all the t- terrible and difficult things that happen here, and the things that are on the front page of the paper and is the only concern everyone's ever going to have. You're about the city, and you see people just proceeding calmly and decently with their wives, passing shoulder by shoulder with each other, and and um, it's not panicked. It's not American carnage. It's not a hellhole. It's just this lovely place, full 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 of people, like sort of calmly making their way, and all the news and the politics and the stuff we talk about, which matters over time in people's lives, is is at the most like 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 a background wind, or or whatever. And like the more time you spend there and just out in the city and enjoying it and being around people, like the uh, the lovelier it is. Uh, I haven't really lived anywhere else, and I don't want to. Love you, New York.
1: Well, I've lived lots of places. I do love the city. I was at the Tenement Museum yesterday doing a a, a film thing. Something's going to come out on PBS at the end of the year. And I just had a really great time reflecting on immigration to the city and migration to the city uh, and how we've always been this place where we've like buttressed one another and, you know, all these different languages and foods and culture, but like how we also share all these foods and cultures and they overlap. I showed my students in class yesterday a video of Charlie Wrangle, And I was like, his accent is like this mixture of like, U.S., South, Yiddish, Puerto Rican, Spanish. I mean, it's just like this melange that anyone over a certain age has this particular accent. And so when I went to get my lunch yesterday, there's a Korean deli. You know, Salvadoran guys also work there. You know, a guy in a yarmulke comes in. You know, another dude comes, a Black dude comes in, gets a bacon, egg, and cheese. You know, they already know his order. They see him and, you know, they greet him. And I'm just standing there looking at this whole, like, mix of people who were just, you know, moving and shaking. And then I walk out and there's, you know, an unhoused man who sits outside of the the deli, you know, getting coins from New Yorkers who come outside and give him money. But his, the way he gets your attention is that he boos you. <laughs> <laughs> so I walk out, and every this happens every single time. And he just goes, boo! <laughs> like, just <laughs> like, you're the worst. And I just started cracking up laughing because I was like, this is the only place where I can have this beautiful experience getting my, you know, tuna hero and then walk out, be booed and start smiling because someone is booing me as I walk down the street. It's just a beautiful, it's beautiful. And I'd love to walk across the bridges. I love the water. There's so much water here. You know, Katie, I know you're a fire, but like I'm a water person. And so the fact that like I live on an island, I'm surrounded by all this water. I love to just, you know, take the B or the Q from Brooklyn to Manhattan because <sighs> as you go above ground, you know, like if you take the 2, 3, or the 4, 5, like you don't really get to feel the difference between the two boroughs. But when you walk across the bridges or you take certain trains that elevate you and you feel, you know, kind of the the water and the fresh air, if the window's cracked, uh, or you just at least see it glistening off, uh, see the buildings glistening off the water, it just feels like... Such a transformative romantic experience, but like romanticism between you and the city.
0: Real quick thing before Katie jumps in here, and the reason why the Q is even better than the B for going over the bridge from Brooklyn to Manhattan is the uh, somewhat graffiti-covered mass transiscope, I think it was originally called, Mm, that this artist Bill Brand put there in the 70s, which is just a series of pictures that animate as you go by. Uh that's just like one of the most beautiful things and I miss dearly uh now that I live on the F and only take the queue over the bridge every so often. But it's uh it's gorgeous and it's worth being on the right side of the train and keeping your eyes open for as you're going from Brooklyn to Manhattan. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, it's one of the good things.
2: Um, as for me, I always just think that the people I love the most in this universe all live in New York City. Um and if they've moved, I've met them here. So that sort of represents. And like you, I, I really don't know anywhere else. So maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i just like in a in like a cult where I just can't imagine world anywhere else. And I just think this is a great love. But it's no, but no. All jokes aside, you know, everything that's ever happened to me has happened here. And the same for, you know, three generations of my family. And, you know, I just, I love, like, I guess any good relationship, you feel a comfort here. But then also it surprises me and it's not boring. So that's why I love New York. Um, and of course, you know, it's always entertaining as we think every week. I mean, think of all the crazy people we discussed on this podcast just this morning, and it all is New York City.
0: We could get a politician booing for bucks. I love this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boo. That would work. <laughs> this, I think it would work. I would laugh. I would give
0: someone money. <laughs> but would <with> Kathy <laughs> Ogle?
2: <laughs> she might have to boo to get bucks.
0: F a Q.
2: This has been FAQ NYC. We're part of the City, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Our work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc, and is supported by listeners and readers like you. Go to thecity.nyc/give if you'd like to pitch in. We are headquartered at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty, Policy, and Research and are a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists. Find it all at Popula.com. Our hosts this episode were Christina Greer, Harry Siegel, and me, Katie Honan. Harry's also our executive producer. Our engineer is Adam Kamara. Thank you, listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be kind, be cool, and we'll be back soon with more. Yeah, he definitely hates you, Harry. Right? He
0: he does. He he's told Chrissy like he won't come on with me.
2: Cause he, I I told you I redeemed myself when I made that white ghost joke. So I think he, um, he let you know. He...
0: I, I, if he does, I don't know what his beef is. But you know,
1: I I just think that it's like you know not not to toot our own horns too much, but like it would be helpful for him. I feel like we contextualize a lot of his policy and. Being an elected official, everyone says it's a fishbowl. And I'm like, it's not a fishbowl. It's a garage.
2: I was like, fishbowl
1: you can see out and around. And I was like, a garage is you run in and you put it down. And like the old school garages have that little window. And it's like, you can see out just a little bit, but you can't have a three, you don't have a 360 view. And I think that there are a lot of elected officials who feel a lot more comfortable in the garage scenario because a fishbowl, it's like everyone can look at you and you can, you know, you don't, you're exposed. Whereas like with the garage, you have a lot more control as to like what you look at and who gets to look at you. I like that.